it's your girl Mel from Our Sleeve Life Podcast, and I recommend that you eat stress-free this spring with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Choose from the weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with factors ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring. Looking for gourmet meals? Try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. No fuss, no mess meals. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Simply heat and savor the good stuff. Tailor to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. We are celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for our lowest carbon footprint meals. Now head to factormeals.com slash sleeve50 and use code sleeve50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is S-L-E-E-V-E-D-50 at factormeals.com slash sleeve50. And again, that's S-L-E-E-V-E-D-50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hello and welcome to the Death Cast. I'm your host, author, and journalist Ian Totten. We are doing things a little bit differently this week. There's been a major update and breakthrough on the Long Island serial killer, also known as the Gilgo Beach Slayer or Lisk. I'm sure many of you saw that there was an arrest made on Friday, July 14th in Massapequa, Long Island. So we're going to be covering that today, but we're also going to be covering the motion for denial of bail that was filed by the prosecution And the reason we're going to be looking at this is because this gives us the best idea of what the case against the man who was arrested, architect Rex A. Howerman. So now this was somebody who wasn't on anyone's radar. And if you've heard the three-part series I did on the Long Island Slayer, you know that I stated that I didn't believe any of the individuals who people were claiming were responsible for these crimes were, in fact, responsible for this. This bears that out. Before I dive into this denial of bail affidavit, I just want to touch on a couple of things really quickly. Rex Howerman has only been charged with three murders with a possible fourth murder charge 
coming at some point in the future. These three murders are three of the four Gilgo Beach Four murders. That of Melissa Barthelme on July 10th of 2009, Megan Waterman on June 6th of 2010, and Amber Costello on September 2nd of 2010. If you'll recall when I covered this case initially, I stated that it was very unlikely that the individual who was responsible for these murders was responsible for the other ones that have been tied into the Long Island serial killer just based on the nature of the attacks. The majority of those earlier cases, there was severe dismemberment of the bodies present at the crime scenes with torsos being left in one area, heads and legs being left in other areas. For this, Rex Howerman to have been responsible for that, he would have had to have started out in the most extreme of extreme measures and then almost worked his way backwards to the killing of these three young women who were murdered, their bodies left intact, wrapped in burlap, and then placed along the highway with a gap in between their bodies of roughly 20 to 33 feet. You almost never see that in serial crimes. There's also a lot of people who are erroneously claiming that this Rex Howerman is responsible for Shannon Gilbert's death. I want to reiterate this. They have not tied Howerman to anything having to do with Shannon Gilbert. More than that, though, the coroner has ruled Shannon Gilbert's death accidental. All of the crime scene evidence that has been released to the public points to it being an accidental death. Yes, there is the possibility that there was injuries to her spinal column. However, that cannot be conclusively tied to an act of murder. So, we need to move beyond this idea that just because this young woman was found dead in the woods and was obviously suffering some form of a psychotic break, that she was murdered. There's no evidence to support that, and while I feel for her family and understand that they want to believe that someone murdered their sister, there is no evidence that has been released by the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office that points to in that direction. If anything, it's the exact opposite. All of the evidence that has been presented is showing that she was an accidental death. It's very possible she fell and injured herself while running through the woods. More probable that that happened than this Richard Howerman going out and killing her. And I say that because the way she died, the way her body was found, does not match the already established and known M.O. of this suspected serial killer. And I do want to stress that 
while there is a pretty good case against him at this point, he has not been found guilty. He has not copped a plea. So until any of those things happen, he is simply a suspect. And I say that because I am one of those individuals who, even if there is a mountain of evidence against somebody and it points to them, until they are found guilty in a court of law, they have to be presumed innocent. You know, the Fifth Amendment guarantees suspects that right, and I'm going to take a little bit of piss out of everybody's jubilation over this. The police department, Suffolk County, yesterday held a press conference, and the entire thing was, in my opinion, a public congratulatory blowjob to one another and to every agency involved. And they stated over and over again that Rex Howerman was in fact guilty. Okay, that's not how our courts work. Yeah, you've got a mountain of evidence against him, that's fantastic, but that's not how things work in this country. And shame on them for coming out and making that public statement. They have just t tainted the jury pool in this case by coming out and publicly stating that, and they better be careful because any defense attorney who is worth his salt will bring that issue up in court and may be able to wrangle things such as a change of venue or, who knows, get parts of the case dismissed because of that. These things do happen, and people need to be aware of that. That being said, let's dive into this denial of bail affidavit. It is 32 pages long. I had a very dedicated listener who we're going to dub AF send it to me yesterday after I had been in contact with numerous individuals working in and around the case trying to find out any information that I could about what was going on. Basically, what I had been told was that this individual was being looked at for four of the murders and that they did not believe he was responsible for any of the other crimes. That includes Sha Shannon Gilbert. Although they weren't able to send me the affidavit until it was released by the court and this listener was kind enough to get their hands on it and send it to me. So Rex Anthony Harriman was born in 1969, and he owns his own architecture company in Manhattan. He has been charged with murder in the first degree in violation of New York State Penal Code Section 125.27, 1AXI, a Class A1 violent felony for the death of Melissa Bartholomew on or about July 10th, 2009. He has also been charged with murder in the first degree of Megan Waterman on or about June 6th, 2010, and murder in the first degree of Amber Costello on or about September 2nd, 2010. In addition to this, Harriman has been charged with murder in the second degree in the death of Barthelme 
Waterman and Costello. I have seen some people question why they're charging him with both murder in the first degree and murder in the second degree. Basically, it's to ensure that if the jury is unable to reach a guilty verdict on murder in the first, there's a fallback. There may be other intricacies involved in this, but by and large, that's the reason that he is being charged with two counts of murder per victim. And you do see this a lot in murder cases. Oftentimes, if someone is convicted of murder in the first, they do end up getting convicted of all charges, which lengthens their sentence. However, in a case such as this, where there's multiple victims, if he is found guilty, there is zero chance he will be getting back out unless he is able to have that conviction overturned on appeal. After lifting off the charges, the document goes on to state, quote, As described below, based on the serious, heinous nature of these serial murders, the planning and forethought that went into these crimes, the strength of the people's case, the length of incarceration the defendant faces upon conviction, the extended period of time that this defendant was able to avoid apprehension, his recent searches for sadistic materials, child pornography, images of the victims and their relatives, counter-surveillance conducted online as to the criminal investigation, his use of fictitious names, burner email and cell phone accounts, and his access to and history of possessing firearms, the only means to ensure defendant Rex A. Howerman returned to court is to remand him without bail. So there's a lot of information in that paragraph to unpack. Basically, what they're saying is that Howerman planned each of his crimes meticulously and went to great lengths to avoid detection as to his involvement in the crimes. There is mention of fictitious email accounts and of cell phones, and as we go further through this, you're going to see that from all appearances, it looks as though the state's air case is pretty damn airtight. However, there are a few points that we are going to get into as we go through this that are going to raise questions which the defense is more likely than not going to object to. And that is specifically how they were able to attain a lot of this information. Now, more likely than not, the judge will ignore those objections from the defense, but it has to be pointed out that objections will be made to this evidence. After listing the crimes for which he is being charged, the affidavit goes on to discuss the discovery of the bodies. It lists off how and where these bodies were found, stating that they were found 22 to 33 feet from the edge of the parkway, with the bodies in close proximity to one another. 
We're going to get back into looking at this affidavit in just a moment. Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shake always comes out clumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. And it lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cord. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water and a drop of soap and you're good to go. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code DCASTPOD to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code DCASTPOD to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Again, that's BlendJet.com and use promo code DCASTPOD at checkout. That's capital D, capital C, A-S-T, capital P-O-D, at checkout to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. And we are back. I'm going to quote now from this affidavit. On December 11, 2010, police officer John Milia was conducting a training exercise with his canine partner, Blue, along Ocean Parkway in Gilgo Beach, Suffolk County, New York. The, during the course of the training exercise, Blue located a set of human remains. The le- remains were later identified to be those of Melissa Bellamy. Two days later, on December 13, 2010, the SCPD continued to search in proximity to where the remains of Melissa Bellamy were recovered. On that date, members of the SCPD found three additional sets of human remains within one quarter mile of the first discovery. These three additional sets of remains were identified as those of Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. The cause of death of all four women was determined to be homicidal violence. Now, there is an addendum at the bottom of page three in connection to Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Quote, Although the defendant is not yet charged with any crime as to the disappearance and murder of Miss Brainerd Barnes as set forth below, defendant Rex A. Howerman is the prime suspect in her death in the investigation, which is continuing and is expected to be resolved soon. Moreover, there is substantial evidence of defendant Howerman's involvement in the disappearance and death of Miss Brainerd Barnes, which evidence closely fits the modus operandi of the defendant in the relation to the deaths of the other three women and which supports the current charges. As such, this bail application contains descriptions of that evidence which demonstrates the strength of the people's case as currently charged. 
They further go on to state that all four of the victims were found bound in a similar manner with similar items and wrapped inside a similar burlap type material before moving on to the investigation. They talk about how in January of 2022, the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office created a new task force to relook at these cases and attempt to find out who had done them. This task force was comprised of members of the Suffolk County Police Department, New York State Police, Suffolk County Sheriff's Department, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Quote, a comprehensive review of every item of evidence and information in this investigation was undertaken by the team. On March 14, 2022, approximately two months into the renewed joint investigation, the comprehensive review led to the discovery of a first-generation Chevrolet Avalanche that was registered to defendant Rex A. Howerman at the time of these murders. As described below, this was significant because a witness to the disappearance of Amber Castillo identified a first-generation Chevrolet Avalanche as the vehicle believed to have been driven by her killer. So this is how the police came upon Rex Howerman. Basically, what they're stating here is that in all of the evidentiary notes, there was a listing of a first-generation Chevy Avalanche, and more likely than not, the police began searching through motor vehicle records and checking out every one of the first-generation Chevy Avalanches that were registered in and around the area where the victims' bodies were discovered. There's more likely than not more evidence that they haven't released yet as to the color of this vehicle, which would further help them narrow down the number of vehicles that they have to look into which would, again, help them narrow down more. What we don't know, however, is whether or not Howerman had, in fact, been on the police's radar prior to this re-examination of the case by the task force. It's very possible that he was, and that upon realizing that this guy has a car that is similar to the one that was said to have been at the home of one of the victims. They decided to look into him further. After zeroing in on Howerman, the police go on to state that 300 subpoenas and search warrants were used to gather and obtain intelligence concerning Rex Howerman. Quote, as discussed more fully below, among the items uncovered were cell phone billing records for defendant Howerman corresponding to cell site locations for, one, the burner cell phones used to arrange meeting with three of the four victims, two, the taunting calls made to a relative of Miss Bethelmy, three, a call made by a detective to Miss Bethelmy's cell phone while looking into her disappearance, and four, Calls checking voicemail and Miss Brainer Barnes' cell phone after her disappearance. In addition, Howerman lived in Massapequa Park, where the victims were believed to have disappeared from, and he worked in Midtown Manhattan in the vicinity 
where the taunting calls were made to the sister of Miss Bethelmy. As set forth more fully below, defendant Rex A. Howerman is believed to be the person who used the burner cell phones to communicate with each of the four victims prior to their disappearance and who used Miss Brainer Barnes' cell phone and Miss Bethelmy's cell phone after their deaths. Both defendant Howerman and these burner cell phones had significant connection to both Midtown Manhattan and Massapequa Park, New York. So there's a lot to break down here. They're talking about they were able to dive into Howerman's personal life and through this dive into his personal life were able to obtain records that linked him to cell phones which were used to contact the women who would become victims but also that they were able to link the cell phones of two of those victims as to having been in close proximity to where Howerman's office was located in Midtown Manhattan, as well as to the general vicinity of where he lived in Massapequa Park. This is what I was talking about earlier when I said that his defense team is more likely than not going to attempt to have a lot of this evidence thrown out because they're probably going to claim that the police put unlawful surveillance on their client as well as unlawfully obtained personal information concerning him, which means that the prosecution is going to have to have all their ducks in a row. They're going to have to submit these subpoenas and these warrants that they put in to gather this information and they're going to have to explain to the judge why they asked for this information but more so why they believe this information would be pertinent to their case as well as why they believed that the information that they were seeking would be found within Mr. Howerman's personal and private affairs. They're going to show why they had reasonable suspicion to believe that these things would be found and that the information they were looking for would be contained in Howerman's records through his credit card companies, cell phone companies, and various internet companies that he used in order to facilitate the commission of these crimes. The defense is going to argue that unless they had already done some looking into him prior to putting in for these subpoenas and these warrants, there was no reasonable way that the police could suspect this information existed, which is a pretty good argument. Basically, what they're saying is the police must have done some illegal searches into Mr. Howerman to get to the point where they believe that the, a suspicion existed, at which point they went to a judge to get these subpoenas and these search warrants. The prosecution is going to have to prove to the judge that they did nothing illegal and that every single step they took in order to gather this information was in fact by the books. 
this could be a slippery slope for the police in regards to that. Again, we don't know every single thing that they have, nor do we know everything that led up to them requesting these reports. Next in the affidavit, they go over the disappearance of these four women, starting with Maureen Brainerd Barnes. She was last seen July 9th, 2007 in New York City. On July 6th, Brainerd Barnes' cell phone was contacted by a burner cell phone. They note that between the 6th and the 9th, there were 16 interactions between both of these phones before stating that the last known ping for Brainerd Barnes' cell phone when she was known to have been alive was on July 9th at approximately 11.56 p.m. in Midtown Manhattan near the 59th Street Bridge. Afterwards, there's no known cell phone activity on till July 12th of 2007, at which point two outbound phone calls were made to Brainerd Barnes' voicemail, with both of these calls originating near the Long Island Expressway in Islandia. On July 3rd, 2009, Melissa Bellamy was contacted by a cell phone and was again contacted by this same cell phone on July 6th, July 9th, and July 10th. Now, this cell phone that was used to contact Barthelme traveled from Massapequa Park to Midtown Manhattan. They were then able to track Barthelme's cell phone as it moved from Midtown Manhattan to Massapequa. This was on July 11th, 2009 at approximately 1.43 a.m. We will get back to Miss Barthelme's cell phone data in just a moment. I'm on the road a lot, and it's really hard to stay properly hydrated on the road. There's so many choices between water and sports drinks, many of them filled with sugars and other chemicals that leave you feeling run down afterwards. But what if I told you there is a better solution? Liquid 4 is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick you get 5 essential vitamins and 2 times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on a long flight. One of the things I like best about the Liquid 4 Hydration Multiplier is their delicious flavor options such as sea berry, strawberry lemonade, Concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada, or my personal favorite, watermelon. But Liquid 4 doesn't just taste good, it's good for you. Contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And it has three times the electrolytes of traditional sport drinks. But best of all, Liquid 4 is non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy, which means that anybody can enjoy it, regardless of their dietary restrictions. And now, just for listeners of my show, you can get 20% off when you go to Liquid 
IV.com and use code DCASTPOD at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code DCASTPOD. So go to Liquid4, that's IV.com, and use promo code capital D, capital C, A S T, capital P O D at checkout to get 20% off your order. Liquid 4 Hydration. It's time to take your hydration needs to the next level. We are back. Now, on July 11th, Bartholomew's cell phone was used to make an outbound call where it checked her voicemail. This location was in Freeport, New York. On that same day, as well as the next day, the 12th, the phone made two more calls to check on the voicemail, this time with a location originating in Babylon. On July 17th, July 23rd, August 5th, August 19th, and August 26th, records show that the cell phone of Miss Bethelmy was used to make taunting phone calls to family members Quote, some of which resulted in a conversation between the caller, who was a male, and a relative of Miss Bethelmy, in which the male caller admitted killing and sexually assaulting Miss Bethelmy. And they do indicate in the affidavit where these cell phone calls originated from. Next, they move on to the disappearance of Megan Waterman. Waterman was last seen alive at the Holiday Inn in Hathog, New York on June 6, 2010 at approximately 1.30 a.m. On June 5th, Miss Waterman's cell phone was contacted by a burner cell phone, which had been activated that day, and Miss Waterman made further contact with this cell phone on June 6th at approximately 1.31 a.m., which, according to the affidavit, is the time that Megan Waterman was captured on video surveillance exiting the Holiday Inn. After this, the burner cell phone used to contact Megan Waterman had no further cell phone activity, although Waterman's phone did travel to Massapequa Park with the last cell site location being in Massapequa Park at approximately 3.11 a.m. in the vicinity of the residence of defendant Howerman. The disappearance and murder of Amber Costillo. Amber Costillo was last seen alive on September 2nd, 2010, leaving her residence at 1112 American Avenue in West Babylon during the late evening hours. This next piece is pretty telling. On September 1st, the day prior to Amber's disappearance, she was contacted by a burner cell phone, and this burner cell phone made contact with her at approximately 11.33 p.m. This cell phone was linked to towers in West Amityville and Massapequa Park before this phone moved to West Ab- Babylon, pretty much right near where Amber Castillo lived. This phone is known to have contacted Castillo's phone at approximately 12.00. 5 a.m. on September 2nd. Now, according to witnesses, at the time that these communications were taking place between 
this burner cell phone and Miss Costello's cell phone, a prostitution client arrived at Amber's home. After this client arrived, quote, a ruse was executed on the client whereby a person pretended to be the outraged boyfriend of Amber Costello and the client left from the residence with Amber Costello retaining the money the client had brought to pay for her services. Based upon interviews, that client was described as a large white male, approximately 6'4 to 6'6 in height, in his mid-40s with dark bushy hair and big oval-style 1970s type eyeglasses. A witness described him to police as appearing like an ogre. Furthermore, a witness noticed a first-generation Chevrolet Avalanche parked in the driveway of the residence. According to the witness, following the ruse, this client said he was just her friend and tell her I'll give her a call and walked out the front door. It's important to note here that Rex A. Howerman is a white male, 6'4", weighing 240 pounds with dark bushy hair who wears large eyeglasses and at the time of Amber's disappearance he was 46 years old. After this encounter at approximately 1.18 a.m. on September 2nd, Amber Costello's cell phone received a text message from this burner phone that said, quote, That was night, so do I sick credit for the next time. Basically, he's asking if he's going to get credit for the next time because she just ripped him off. At the time this text was sent, the burner phone was located in Massapequa Park. Further, Costello was contacted yet again by this same phone in an attempt to try and set up a rendezvous between the two of them, with further communications coming in over the rest of the day. At approximately 11.17 p.m. on the night of September 2nd, 2010, this burner phone traveled to West ba Babylon in the proximity of Amber Costello's home. Costello leaves the home, leaving her cell phone behind. A witness later informed police that they saw a dark-colored truck leaving the area from the direction of Amber Costello's home. After going over the disappearances of these four women, the affidavit then goes on to state that Hauserman's wife was out of town at the time all of these crimes were committed. Specifically, on July 8, 2009, she traveled to Iceland, returning on July 18th. This was the period of time during which Melissa Bethelmy disappeared and was murdered. On June 4, 2010, Hauserman's wife traveled from New York to Maryland, returning on the 8th of June. This during the period of Megan Waterman's disappearance. On August 28th of 2010, Mrs. Hauserman traveled to New Jersey, returning on September 5th. This was the period of time during which Amber Costello disappeared. They then go on to describe billing records for Hauserman's cell phone. He listed his address in Midtown Manhattan, that is the business address, as the address for the cell phone that was in his name. 
it's important to note that according to this affidavit, Hauserman was able to be placed within the same general vicinity as the burner cell phones that had been used to contact all of these women. They did this through tracing his own cell phone, but also from tracing American Express credit card usage, which placed him within vicinity of these cell phones, but also within the vicinity of the cell phones that had been taken from the young women who had had their lives taken. And there's a lot of technical data from this portion. I'm not going to get into it, but basically it's just them showing that the defendant was in one area the cell phones were active in this area and or credit cards were used in this area at or around the same period of time that these phones were used, be it in Midtown Manhattan or elsewhere in Massapequa. Now here is some of the really interesting and damaging evidence. The police were able to find that Howerman used his American Express to buy multiple cell phones, what they call burner cell phones. These are those pay-as-you-go cell phones. And that in conjunction with these cell phones, he created fake online personas under various names. Not only did he create these fake online personas, he also created fake email addresses to go along with them. So I'm going to run through these very quickly. Records obtained from American Express show that numerous payments were made to Google Play for Tinder, which anyone who's not aware, it's a dating app used to find quote-unquote local hookups. Tinder records indicate that a profile was set up under the name of Andy and that a cell phone number linked to a fictitious individual by the name of Andrew Roberts using a email address of springfieldman9 at aol.com. This account was established on January 15, 2011 under the name of John Springfield with an address in Astoria, Queens. This account, this email account, was established using a different cell phone. This point, I think, is kind of cool because it shows how meticulously they went over this individual's information. Quote, Records obtained from Verizon show that defendant Howerman's cell phone was used on December 11, 2002 for a period of over three hours to access to fictitious Springfield Man 9 AOL account. Similar records obtained from T-Mobile showed that burner cell phone number redacted was used on multiple dates, including November 8, 2002, to access this account. A review of call records for these two additional burner cell phones revealed that both cell phones were used extensively between 2021 and 2023 for prostitution-related contacts, 
either with sex workers or massage parlors. In addition, cell site warrants for these burner cell phones revealed that just like the burner cell phones defendant Howerman used to contact the victims prior to their disappearances, these additional burner cell phones had frequent cell site activity in Midtown Manhattan and Massapequa Park. Specifically, the records revealed that both these burner cell phones consistently had activity on the cellular towers that provided coverage to defendant Howard Whitman's residence in Massapequa Park and his business in New York City. Legal process served up Google seeking records or accounts associated with the device identifiers of these additional burner cell phones revealed a connection to yet another burner or junk email account, namely thawk080672 at gmail.com. Hereafter, the thawk email account. Google Records further indicated that the thawk email account was subscribed in the fictitious name of Thomas Hawk. A search warrant revealed that the thawk email account associated with burner cell phone number redacted was used to conduct thousands of searches related to sex workers, sadistic torture-related pornography, and child pornography, including 1. Mistress Long Island 2. Mature Escorts Manhattan 3. Girl Begging for Rape Porn 4. Teen Girl Begging for Rape Porn 5. Pretty Girl with Bruised Face Porn 6. Torture Redhead Porn 7. 10-Year-Old Schoolgirl 8. High and Tie Plump Pussy Lips Cut Off Porn. 9. Skitty Red Head Tied Up Porn. Short Fat Girl Tied Up Porn. 11. Tied Up and Raped Porn. 12. Asian Twink Tied Up Porn. 13. Tied Slave Force Fed Cock. 14. Cum Shot and Crying Porn. 15. Girl Hog Tied Torture Porn. 16. Ten Year Old Blonde Hair Girl. 17. Chubby 10-year-old girl. 18. Black girl 10 years old. 19. Girl with face beaten up. 20. Chubby 10-year-old girl crying. 21. 13-year-old school girl. 22. Age 12 girl. Child girl with blonde hair and blue eyes. 23. Blonde haired girl young depressed. 24. Teen girl oiled bodies. 25. Pre-teen girl with makeup. 26. Nude slave girls. 27. Old janitors bang, gangbang little schoolgirl. 28. Crying girl painful anal. 29. Schoolgirl. 30. Crying teen porn. As you can see, this guy's a complete and utter scumbag. I apologize to anyone that heard that and was offended by it, but I am a completist, and I believe giving in all of the information, unless it involves actual images of a crime being committed against a child. I read that because I wanted you to know just exactly the type of individual the police are accusing this defendant of being. Further, police were able to find Google searches that this burner cell phone and burner email account had made in relation to the Long Island slangs. Here are a few of them. This comes directly from the affidavit. 1. Why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer? 2. Why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? 3. Long Island Serial Killer 4. Long Island Serial Killer Phone Call 5. Long Island Serial Killer Update 6. Long Island Serial Killer Update 2022 
7. FBI active serial killers. 8. Serial killers by state 2023. 9. Map of all known serial killers. 10. Unsolved serial killer cases. 11. America's five most notorious old cases. 12. 11. Currently active serial killers. 13. Eight terrifying active serial killers we can't find. 14. John Bitroff. 15. Megan Waterman. 16. Melissa Barthelme. 17. Maureen Brainerd Barnes. 18. Redacted name of re relative of Melissa Barthelme. 19. Redacted name of relative of Mo Megan Waterman. 20. Cops launch Gilgo Beach Homicide Investigation Task Force. 21. Mapping the Long Island murder victims. 22. Inside the Long Island Serial Killer in Gilgo Beach. 23. The Gilgo Beach Killer Criminal Minds. 24. In Long Island Serial Killer Case Investigation, new phone technology may be key to break the case. Now, the defense could very easily, and probably will if this thing goes to trial, argue that the reason he looked into these cases was because it was a local news source, and like so many, he became fascinated by it. However, the fact that they were able to link a burner email and cell phone to their client is going to be a difficult Hence the reason why the defense will either attempt to get evidence thrown out or, more likely than not, will attempt to have it suppressed as being irrelevant to the case. The T-Hawk account was also used to look for documentaries and podcasts about the crimes, as well as images of the victims and their immediate family along with any information that could be found on the task force. Assuming that the defense is unable to get any of this thrown out or suppressed, they're going to try and show that, you know, this wasn't their client. However, images of the defendant were found inside of the email of this T-Hawk account. They also were able to get... They were also able to get images from a store when the defendant went inside of a store to purchase more minutes for this burner phone. They also discovered a further email account, Hunter1903A3, which was used to send images of prostitutes from upstate New York between two of the other secret email accounts. This Phone and account were created on February 14th, 2004, using one of the aliases he had previously used. The police were able further to tie all of the cell phones and email accounts to the defendant by use of an IP address. Many people don't know that no matter how many devices you have at a home, Generally speaking, they all share the same IP address. It's very similar to a home address. So the def defendant or the individual with these cell phones used these cell phones at his home address, and police were able to find that that IP address was logged inside of the cell phones as well as the email accounts, 
and that that same IP address was the one listed as belonging to his home. There was also DNA evidence found on the bodies. There were two female hairs found on the body of Megan Waterman, a female hair found on the head of Amber Costello, and a hair fragment found on Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Now, they were able to find that three of these hairs belong to a mitochondrial hepalong group K1C2, and that none of the victims were the owner of these hairs. The police then were able to recover garbage from outside of the Howerman's home, and after using DNA swabs, it was found that these hairs matched the DNA taken from one of the bottles, which we have to presume is the wife's DNA. The defense may try and argue that, you know, maybe it was his wife who did these crimes. However, the evidence doesn't show that. shows she was out of the area during the time that these crimes were committed. But here's the clincher. A hair was found on Miss Waterman's body. And after getting their hands on a pizza box that... Rex Howerman had been using, they were able to link this hair via DNA to Rex Howerman, which is what led to the police finally taking the step to arrest Howerman. A few quick facts about Howerman to wrap this up. He is known to have at least two children. He's been married at least twice, and he has owned his own business in Manhattan since around 1997. From what I could discern, it was actually at this business that he was arrested. Police are continuing to search warrants on both his home more likely than not all of his financial records, his business, as well as any other place where he may be hiding or holding evidence. And it's going to be interesting to see whether or not this case actually gets to court. I've talked with another number of people and many agree that Howerman is either going to cop a plea deal once he sees the mountain of evidence against him, or else he may decide to remove himself from this world, thus denying the families of the victims the justice that they are seeking. But because this is a fluid case, I don't want to speculate too much on what may or may not happen. However, I will continue to provide updates on this case if anything of substance comes out. I hope you have enjoyed this update on the Long Island slangs. Until next time, the Deathcast is a production of Corpse Creek Publishing and Big Pond Podcasts. Stay morbid. 
it's your girl Mel from Our Sleep Life Podcast, and I recommend that you eat stress-free this spring with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Choose from the weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with factors ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring. Looking for gourmet meals? Try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. No fuss, no mess meals. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Simply heat and savor the good stuff. Tailor to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. We are celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for our lowest carbon footprint meals. Now head to factormeals.com slash sleeve 50 and use code sleeve 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is S-L-E-E-V-E-D 50 at factormeals.com slash sleeve 50. And again, that's S-L-E-E-V-E-D 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 